Welcome and namaste for listening to this Nepali life. I am a ridiculous person. Now they call me a madman. That would be a promotion if it were not that I remained ridiculous in their eyes before. But now I do not resent it. They are all dear to me now. Even when they laugh at me and indeed it is just then that they are particularly dear to me. I could join in their laughter. Not exactly at myself but through affection for them. If I did not feel so sad as I look at them. sad because they do not know the truth and i do not and i do know it oh how hard it is to be only one who knows the truth but they won't understand that no they won't understand it in old days i used to be miserable at seeming ridiculous not seeming but being i have always been ridiculous and i have known it perhaps from the hour i was born Perhaps from the time I was 7 years old I knew I was ridiculous. Afterwards I went to school, studied at the university and do you know the more I learned the more thoroughly I understood that I was ridiculous. So that it seemed in the end as though all the sciences I studied at the university existed and only to prove and make evident to me as I went more deeply into them and into them that I was ridiculous. It was the same with life as it with the science. With every year the same consciousness of the ridiculous figure I caught in every relation grew and strengthened everyone always laughed at me but not one of them knew or guessed that if there was one man on earth who knew better than anybody else that I was absurd it was myself and what I resented most of all was they did not know that but that was my own fault i was so proud that nothing would have ever in- induced me to tell it anyone this pride grew in me with the years and if if it had happened that i allowed myself to confess to anyone that i was ridiculous i believe that i should have blown out my brains the same evening oh how i suffered in my early youth from that fear that i might give away and confess it to my school fellows but since i grew to manhood i have for some unknown reason become calmer Though I realize my awful characteristic more fully every year I say unknown for this for to this day I cannot tell why it was perhaps it was owing to the terrible misery that I was growing in my soul through something which was more of consequence than anything else about that something was the conviction that had come upon me that nothing in the world mattered I had long had an inkling of it 
but the full realization came last year almost suddenly i suddenly felt that it was all the same to me whether the world existed or whether there had been anything at all i began to feel with all my being that there was nothing existing at first i fancied that many things had existed in the past but afterwards i guess there that there never had been anything in the past either but that it had only seemed for seemed so for some reason little by little i guess that there would be nothing in the future either then i left off being angry with people and almost ceased to notice them indeed this showed itself even in the pettiest trifles i used for instance to knock against people in the street and not to and not so much from being lost in thought what had i to think about i had almost given up thinking by that time nothing mattered to me if at least i had solved my problems oh i had not settled one of them and how many there were but i gave up caring about anything and all the problems disappeared and it was after that i found the truth i learned the truth last november on the 3rd of november to be precise i and i remember every instant since it was a gloomy evening one of the gloomiest possible evening i was going home at about 11 o'clock and i remember that i was i thought that the evening could not be gloomier even physically rain had been falling all day and it had been a it had been a cold gloomy almost menacing rain would i remember an unmistakable spite against mankind mankind suddenly between 10 and 11 it had stopped and was followed by a horrible dampness colder and damper than the rain and and a sort of steam was rising from everything from every stone in the street and from every by lane if one looked down it as far as one could a thought suddenly occurred to me that if all the street lamps had been put on put out it would have been less cheerless as the gas made one's heart sadder because it lightened it all up i had had scarcely any dinner that day and had been spending the evening with an engineer and two other friends had been there also i said silently i fancy i bored them they talked of something rousing and suddenly they got excited over it but they did not really care i could see that but only made a so of being existed i suddenly said as much to them my friends i said you really do not care one way or the other they were not offended but they laughed at me that was because i spoke without any not of reproach simply because it did not matter to me this they saw it did not and it amused them as i was thinking about the glass lamps in the street i look up at the sky the sky was horribly dark but one could distinctly see tattered clouds and between them fathomless black patches suddenly i notice in one of the one of these patches a star and and begin watching it intently that was because that star had given me an idea i decided to kill myself that night i had firmly determined to do so two months before and poor as i was i bought a splendid revolver that very day and loaded it but two months had passed and it was still lying in my drawer 
I was so utterly indifferent that that I wanted to seize a moment when I would not be so indifferent. Why? I don't know. And so for the two months every night that I came home, I thought I would shoot myself. I kept waiting for the right moment. And so now the star gave me a thought. I made up my mind that it it should certainly be that night. And Or the star gave me the thought, I don't know. And just as I was looking at the sky, this little girl took me by the elbow. The street was empty and there was scarcely anyone to be seen. A cabman was sleeping in the distance in his cab. He was a child of eight with a handkerchief on her head, wearing nothing but a wrist, little dress all soaked with rain. But I noticed her wet, broken shoes and recalled them now. Take out my eye particularly. She suddenly pulled me by the elbow and called me. She was not weeping, but was spasmodically crying out some words which could not utter properly because she was shivering and shuddering all over. She was in terror about something and kept crying, Mama, Mommy. I turned facing her. I did not say a word and went on, but she ran, pulling at me, and there was that note in the note in her voice which in frightened children means despair i know that sound though she did not articulate the words i understood that her mother was dying or that something of of the sort was happening to them and that she had run out to call someone to find something to help her mother i did not go with her on the contrary i had an impulse to drive her away I told her first to go to the policeman, but clasping her hands, she ran beside me, sobbing and gasping, and would not leave me. Then I stamped my foot and shouted at her. She called out, Sir, sir, and suddenly abandoned me and rushed headlong across the road. Some other passersby appeared there, and she evidently flew from me to him. I mounted up to my fifth story. I have a room in a flat where there are other lodgers. My room is small and poor, with a garret window in the shape of a semicircle. I have a sofa covered with American leather, a table with books on it, two chairs and a comfortable armchair, as old as can be, but of the good old-fashioned shape. I sat down, lighted the candle and began thinking in the room next to mine through the partition of Walla perfect bed lamb was going on. I had been going on for the last three days. A, ret- a retired captain lived there and he had a half dozen visitors, gentlemen of doubtful reputations, drinking vodka and playing stuff with old cards. The night before there had been a fight and I know that two of them had been for a long time engaged in dragging each other about by the hair. The landlady, the landlady wanted to complain, but she was in the abject terror of the captain. <coughs> there was only one other lodger in the flat, a thin little regimental lady on a visit to Petersburg, with three little children who had been taken ill since they came into lodging. But both she and her children were in mortal fear of the captain, and they and lay trembling and crossing themselves all night and the youngest child had a 
some sort of heat from the freezer that Captain I I know for a fact sometimes stops people in the Nevsky project and prospect and begs they won't take him into the service but strange to say that's why I'm telling this all this month that the captain has been here and his behavior has caused me no annoyance I have of course tried to avoid his acquaintance from the very beginning and he too was bored with me from the first but I never care how much they shout the other side of the partition nor how many of them are there in there I sit up all night and forget, forget them so completely that I do not even hear them <coughs> I stay awake till the day breaks and have been going on like that for the last year I sit up all night in my armchair at the table doing nothing I only read by day I sit I don't even think ideas of, uh, of a sort wander through my mind and I let them come and go as they will a whole candle is burned every night I sat down quietly at the table took out the revolver and put it down before me when I had put it down I asked myself I remember is that so and answered with complete conviction it is that is I shall suit myself I knew that I should shoot myself that night for the certain but how much longer should I go on sitting at the table I didn't know and no doubt I should have shot myself if, if it had not been for that little girl you see though nothing mattered to me I could feel pain for instance if anyone had stuck me it would have been hurting it was the same morally if anything very pathetic happened I should have felt pity just as I used to do in old days when there were things in life that didn't matter to me if I had pity if I had felt pity that evening I should have suddenly helped the child why why then I, I had I not helped the little girl because of an idea that occurred to me the night it occurred to me at the time when she was calling and pulling at me a question suddenly arose before me and I could not settle it the question was an ideal one, idle one but I was vexed I was vexed at the reflection that if I was uh, that if I were going to make an end of myself that I that night nothing in life ought to have mattered to me why was it that all at once I did not feel a strange pang quite incongruous in my position really I do not know better how to convey my fleeting sensation at the moment but the sensation persisted at home when I was sitting at the table and I was and I was very much irritated as I I had not been for so long time in the past one reflection followed another I I, I saw clearly that so long as I was a still a human being and and not nothing nothingness I was alive and so could suffer be angry and feel shame at my action so be it but if I'm going to kill myself in two hours say what is that little girl to me and what have what have I to do with same or with anything else in the world I shall turn into nothing absolutely nothing and can it really be true that the consciousness that I shall completely cease to exist immediately and so everything else will cease to exist does not in the least affect my feeling of pity for the child not the feeling of same after a con contemptible action I stamped 
and shouted at the unhappy child as though to say, not only I feel no pity, but even I behave inhumanly, inhumanly and contemptibly. I am free to. I am free to. For in another two hours, everything will be extinguished. Do you believe that? That was why I shouted that. I almost convinced of it now. I seem clear to me that life and the world somehow depends upon me now. I may almost say that the world now seemed created for me alone. If I shoot myself, the world would cease to be at least for me. I say nothing of its being likely that nothing will exist for anyone when I'm gone. And, and, and that as soon as my consci consciousness is extinguished, the whole world will vanish and vanish to and become void like a phantom as a mere appurtenance of my consciousness. For possibly all this world and all these people are only me, myself. I remember that uh, as I sat and reflected I turned all these new questions that I swarmed one after another quite the other, other way and thought of something quite new. For instance, a strange reflection suddenly occurred to me that if I had lived before on the moon or on the Mars and there had committed the most disgraceful and dishonorable acts and, and had there been put to such shame and uh, ignominy as one can only conceive and realize in dreams and nightmares that and uh, if, if uh, finding myself afterwards on earth I, I were able to retain the memory of what I have done in the other planet. And at the same time knew that I should never under any circumstances return there. Then looking from the earth to the moon, should I care or not? Should I feel the same for that action or not? These were idle and superfluous questions for the revolver was already lying before me and I knew in, in every fiber every fiber of my being that would happen for certain but they, but they excited me and I raised. I could not die now without having first settled something. In short, the child had saved me, for I put off my pistol shot for the sake of these questions. Meanwhile, the clamor had begun to subside in the captain's room. They had finished their game, were settling down to sleep, and meanwhile grumbling and languidly winding up their quarrels. At that point, I suddenly fell asleep in my chair at the table, a thing which had never happened to me before I dropped asleep quite unawares. Dreams, as we all know, are very queer things. Some parts are presented with appalling vividness with details worked up with all the elaborated finished of jewelry, while others one gallops through as if were nothing you know, without noticing them at all. As for instance, through space and time, Dream seems to be spurred on not by the reason but by desire, not by the head but by the heart and yet what complicated tricks my reason has played sometimes in dreams and utterly incomprehensible things happen to it. My brothers died five years ago for instance. I sometimes dream, dream, I sometimes dream of him, he takes part in my affairs, we are very much interested and yet all through my dream I quite know and remember that my brother is dead and buried. How is it that I am not surprised at that?
though he is dead he is here beside me and working with me why is it that my reason fully accepted but enough i will be about my dream yes i dreamed a dream my dream of the 3rd of november that is me now telling me it was only a dream but doesn't matter whether it was dream or reality if the dream made me know the truth if one uh, one has recognized the truth and seen it you know that it is the truth and that there is no other way and there cannot be whether you are asleep or awake let it be a dream so be it but that real life of which you make so much i had meant to extinguish by suicide and my dreams my dreams oh, oh it revealed to me a different life renew, renewed grand and full of power listen uh, i have mentioned that i dropped sleep over our hours and even seem to be still reflecting on the same subject i suddenly dreamed that i picked up the revolver and aimed it straight at my heart my heart and not my head and i had determined beforehand to fire at my head at, at my right temple after aiming at my chest i waited a second or two and suddenly my candle my table and the wall in the front of me began moving in heavy heavy you know and i made a has to pull the trigger in my dreams you know sometimes uh, i fall from a height or you're stabbed or beaten but you never feel pain unless perhaps you really bruise yourself against the bedstead then you feel pain and um, and almost um, always wake up from it it was the same in my dream i did not feel any pain but it seemed as though uh, with my shot everything within me was shaken and everything was suddenly dimmed and it grew horribly black around me i seemed to be blinded and benumbed and i was lying on something hard stretched on my back i saw nothing and could not make a slightest movement perhaps people were walking and shouting around me the captain bawled and the landlady shrieked and suddenly another break and i was being carried in a closed coffin and i felt how the coffins were shaking and reflected upon it and for the first time the idea struck me that i was dead utterly dead i knew it and had no doubt of it I could neither see nor move and yet I was feeling and reflecting but I was soon reconciled to the position and as soon as one usually does in a dream except the fact without disputing them <coughs> and now as I was buried in the buried in the earth they all went away I was left alone utterly alone I did not move whenever before I had imagined being buried the buried the one sensation i associated with the grave was that of damp and cold so now i felt that i was very cold especially the tips of tip, tips of my toes but i felt nothing else i lay street still st- strange to say i expected nothing excepting without dispute that a dead man had nothing to accept expect but it was damp by I don't know how long a time passed whether an hour or several days or many days but all at once a drop of water fell on my closed left eye making its way through the coffin lid it was followed a minute later by a second then a minute later by a third and so on regularly every minute there was a sudden glow of profound indignation in my heart 
and I suddenly felt it in a pang of physical pain. That's my wound. I thought that's a bullet and drop after drop every minute keep falling on my closed eyelid. And all at once, not with my voice but with my entire being, I called upon the power that, I, that was responsible for all that was happening to me. Whoever you are, you are, you may be, if you exist and if anything more rational than what is happening here is possible, suffer is to be here now. But if you are revenging up yourself upon me for my senseless suicide by the hideousness and absurdity of, the, of this subsequent existence, then let me tell you that no torture could ever equal the contempt which I shall go on dumbingly feeling. Though my martyrdom may last a million years, I may disappear and have my peace. There, there was a full minute of unbroken silence, and again another drop fell. But I knew with infinite, unshakable certainty that everything would change immediately. And behold, my grave suddenly was rent asunder. That it is. I don't know whether it was open or dug up, but I was caught up by some dark and unknown being and we found ourselves in space I suddenly regained my sight it was the dead of night and, and never never had there been such darkness we were flying through the space far away from the earth I did not question the being who was talking to me I was profound and waited I assured myself that I was not afraid and was thrilled with ecstasy at that thought that I was not afraid I do not know how long we were flying I cannot imagine it, it happened as it always does in dreams when you skip over space and time and laws of thought and existence only pause upon the points for which the heart yearns. I remember that I suddenly saw in the darkness a star. Is that a serious? I asked impuls impulsively, though I had not meant to ask the question. No, that is the star you saw between the clouds when you were coming home. The beginner who was carrying me replied. I knew that it had something like a human face. Strange to say, I did not like that being. In fact, I felt an intense aversion of it. I had expected complete non-existence. And that was that was why I I had put a bullet through my heart. And here I was in the hands of a creature, not human, of course, but yet living, existing. And so there is life beyond the grave, I, I thought with a strange frivolity one has in dreams. But in, but in its inmost depth of my heart remained unchanged. And if I have got to exist again, I thought, live once more under the control of some irresistible power, I won't be vanquished or, or be humiliated. You know that I am afraid of you and, desp and despise me for that. I said suddenly to my companion, unable to refrain from the humiliating questions which implied a confession and my feeling humiliation, humiliation stabbed my heart as with a pin. He did not answer my question, but all at once I feel that he was not being, he was not even dis, despising me, but was laughing at me and had no co compassion for me. And that our journey had an unknown and mysterious object that concerned me only. Fear was growing in my heart. So, something was 
mutely and painfully co- communicated to me from my silent companion and permeated my whole being. We were flying through the dark, unknown space. I had for some time lost sight of the constellations familiar to my eyes. I knew that there were stars in the heavenly space, the light of which took thousands or millions of years to reach the earth. Perhaps we are already flying through those spaces. I expected something with a terrible anguish that tortured my heart and suddenly I was thrilled by the familiar feelings that stirred to me the depths. I suddenly caught sight of our sun. I knew that it could not be our sun that gave life to our earth and that we were in, in, in finite distance from our sun but for some reason I knew in my whole being that it was a sun exactly like ours, a duplicate of it. A sweet thrilling feeling resounded with ecstasy in my heart. The kindred powers of the same light, same light which had given me light stood and echo in my heart and awakened it. And I had a sensation of life, the old life of the past for the, for the first time since I had been in the grave. But if that is the sun, if that is exactly the same as ours, I, I, I cried, where is the earth? My companion pointed to the star twinkling in the distance with an emerald light. We were flying straight towards it. And are such repetitions possible in the universe? Can that be the law of nature? And, and if that is an earth there, can it be just the same earth as ours? Just, just the same, as poor, as unhappy, but precious and beloved forever, arousing in the most ungrateful for her children, the same poignant love. For her that we feel for our earth, I cried out, shaken by the irresistible ecstasy, love for the old familiar earth which I had left. The image of the poor child whom I had repulsed flashed my mind. You shall see it all, answered my companion. There was a note of sorrow in his voice. But we were rapidly approaching the planet. It was growing before my eyes. I could already distinguished the ocean, the outline of Europe and suddenly feeling of a great and holy jealousy glowed in my heart. How can it be repeated and for what? I love and can only love that earth which I had left, stained with my blood when in my ingratitude I quenched my life with a bullet in my heart but I have never, never, ever ceased to love that earth and I perhaps on the very night I parted from it I loved it more than ever. Is there suffering upon this new earth? On our earth we can only love with suffering and through suffering we cannot love otherwise and we know of no other some sort of love. I want suffering on earth to love. I long, I thirst this very instant to kiss with tears the earth that I've left and I don't want, I, I won't accept life on any other. But my companion had already left me. I suddenly quiet without noticing how found myself on this other earth in the bright light of a sunny day for his paradise. I believe I was standing on one of those islands that make up on our globe the Greek archipelago or, or on the coast of the mainland facing that archipelago. Oh, everything was exactly as it is with us, only everything seemed to have a festive radiance, the splendor of some great holy triumph turned at last, the caressing sea, green as emerald, splashed softly upon the shore and kissed it with manifest, almost conscious love, that all loving 
lovely tree stood in all the glory of its blossom and their innumerable leaves greeted me i am certain with their soft caressing rustle and seemed to articulate words for love the grass glowed with bright and pregnant flowers birds were flying the flocks in the air and pierced fearlessly on my shoulder and arms and joyfully struck me with all their darling's fluttering wings and at last i saw and knew the people of this happy land that came to me of themselves they surrounded me kissed me the children of the sun the children of the sun oh how beautiful they were never never had i seen on our earth such beauty in mankind only perhaps in our children in their earliest year one might find some remote faint reflection of this beauty the eyes of this happy people shone with a clear brightness their faces were radiant with the light of reason and fullness of serenity that comes of perfect understanding but but those faces were gay in their words and voices there was a note of childlike joy oh from this moment from the first glance at them i understood it, it all it was the earth untarnished by the fall when it lived people who had not sinned they lived just in his paradises that in which according to all the legend of mankind our first parent lived before they sinned the only difference was that all this earth was the same paradise these people laughing joy- joyfully thronged around me and caressed me they took me home with them and each of them tried to reassure me oh they asked me no questions but they seemed i i fancied to know everything without asking and they wanted to make has to smooth away the sign of suffering from my face and do you know what well granted that it was only a dream yet the sensation of a love of those innocent and beautiful people had remained with me forever and i feel as though their love is still flowing out of out to me from over there i have seen them myself have known them and been convinced i loved them and i suffered for them afterwards why oh, understood understood at once even at the time that in many things i could not understand them at all is an up to the russian progressive and con- contemptible petersburger it is stugs me in- inexplicable that knowing so much they had for instance no science like ours but i soon realized that their knowledge was gained and fostered by institutions different from those of us on earth and that their aspirations too were quite different they would they desired nothing and were at peace they did not aspire to knowledge of life as we aspire to understand it because their lives were full but their knowledge was higher and deeper than ours for our science seeks to explain what life is aspire to understand it in order to teach others how to love while they without science know how to live and that i understood but how could i not understood their knowledge they showed me their trees and i could not understand the intense love with which they looked at them it was as though they were talking with creatures like themselves and perhaps i i shall not be mistaken if i say that they conversed with them yes they they had found their language and i'm convinced that the trees understood them they looked at all nature like that at the animals who lived in the peace with them and did not attack them 
but loved them conquered by their love they pointed to the stars and told me something about about them which i could not understand but i am convinced that they were somehow in touch with the stars not only in the thought but but by some living channel all these people did not persist in trying to make me understand them they loved me without that but i knew that they would never understand me and so i hardly spoke to them about our earth i only kissed in their presence on presence the on earth on which they lived and mute mute mutely worshiped them themselves and they saw that and let me worship them without being abashed at my adoration for they themselves loved much they were not unhappy on my account when at times i kissed their feet with tears joyfully conscious of lo- of the love with which they would respond to mine at times i i asked myself would wonder how it was they were able to offend a creature like me never want wants to arouse a feeling of jealousy or envy in me often i wondered how it could be that boastful and untruthful as i was I never talked to them of what I knew of which of course there are no notions that I was never tempted to do so by a desire to astonish or even to be benefit them they were as gay and sportive as children they wandered about their loving woods copses they sang their lovely song their fare was light the fruits of their trees the honey from their woods and the milk of the animals who loved them The work they did for food and retainment was brief and not laborious. Laborious. They loved and begged children, but I never noticed in them the impulse of that cruel sensuality which overcomes almost every man on this earth. All, all and each is the source of almost every sin of mankind on earth. They rejoiced at the arrival of. the children is the new beginning to share their happiness there was no quarreling no jealousy among them and they did not even know what the words meant the children were the children of all for they all made up one family there was scarcely any illness among them though there was death but their old people died peacefully as though falling asleep giving blessings and smiles to those who surrounded them to take their last farewell with bright and lovely 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 smiles i never saw grief or tears on those occasions but only love which was the point of ecstasy but a calm ecstasy but perfect and contemplative one might think that they were still in contact with the departed after death and that their earthly union was not caught shot by death they scarcely understood me when i questioned them about immortality but evidently they were so convinced that without reasoning that it is not for them a question at all they had been no temp there had no temples but they had a re- real living and uninterrupted scenes of oneness with the whole of the universe they had no creed but they had a certain knowledge that they that when their earthly joy had reached the limit of earthly nature then they would come for them for the living and for the dead still greater fullness of contact with the whole of the universe they look forward to the to that moment 
with joy but without haste not pining for it but seeming to have a for 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 taste of it in their hearts of of which they talk to one another in the evening before going to sleep they liked singing the musical and harmonious chorus in those songs they expressed all the sensation that the parting day had given them sang its glories and took leave of it they sang the praises of nature of the sea of the woods they they liked making song about one another and praised each other like children they were the simplest song but they sprang from their hearts and went to one's heart and not only in their song but in all their lives they seemed to do nothing but admired one another it was like being in love with each other but an all embracing universal feeling some of their song solemn and raptures i scarcely understood at all though i understood the words i could never fathom their full significance it was it remained as it were beyond the grasp of my mind yet my heart unca- unconsciously absorbed it more and more i often told him that i had i had pres- presentiment of it long before that this joy and glories had come to me on our now earth in the form of a yearning mel- melancholy that at times approaches insufferable sorrow that i had a for knowledge knowledge of them all and of their glory in the dreams of my heart and the vision of my mind that often on our earth i could not look at the settling sun without tears that in my hatred for men of our earth there was always a yearning anguish why could i not hate them without loving them why could i not help forgiving them and in my love for them there was a yearning grief why could i not love them without hesitating hating them they listened to me and i saw they were, they could not conceive what i was saying but i did not regret that i had spoken to them of it i know that they understand understood the intensity of my yearning anguish over those whom i had left but when they looked at me with their sweet eyes full of love when i felt that in their presence my heart to become as innocent as just as they are the feeling of the fullness of life took my breath away and i worshiped them in silence oh everyone laughing my face now and assures me that one cannot dream of such details as i am telling now that i only dreamed of that one sensation that arose in my heart in delirium and made up the detail myself when i woke up and when i told him that perhaps it was really so my god how they shouted with laughter in my face in my face what a myth i caused oh yes of course i was overcome by the mere sensation of my dream and there was all that preserved in my cruelly wounded heart but the actual forms and images of my dreams that is the very ones i really saw at the time of my dream were full filled with such harmony were so lovely and enchanting and were so actual that on awakening hours of of course incapable of clothing them in our, in our poor language so that they would bound to become blurred in my mind and so perhaps i was forced to afford to make up the detail and so of course to dis- distort them in my passionate desire to convey some at, at least of them as quickly as i could but on the other hand how can i help believing that it was all true
It was perhaps a thousand times brighter, happier and more joyful than I described it. Granted that I dreamed it, yet it must have been real, you know. I will tell you a secret. Perhaps it was not a dream at all. But then something happened so awful, something so horribly true, that it could not have been imagined in my dream. My heart may, be, may have originated the dream, but would, would my heart alone have been capable of originating the awful event which happened to me afterward? How could I alone have invented it or imagined it in my dream? Could my pity heart and fickle and trivial mind have risen to such a revelation of truth? Oh, just for yourself. Hitherto I have concealed it, but now I will tell the truth. The fact is that I, I corrupted them all. Yes, it ended in my corrupting them all. How could it come to pass? I do not know. But I remember it clearly, the dream embraced thousands of years and left in me only a sensation of the whole. I only know that I was the cause of their sin and downfall, like a wild trachea, like a germ of plague, infecting whole kingdoms, so I contaminated all this earth, so happily, happy and sinless before my coming, they learned to lie. Grew fond of lying and discovered the charm of falsehood. Or at first, perhaps it began innocently with just with amorous play, perhaps indeed with a germ, but that germ falsity made its way into their hearts and pleased them. Then sensuality was soon begotten. Sensuality begot jealousy, jealousy, cruelty. Oh, I don't know, I don't remember. But soon, very soon, the first plausible said they marveled and were horrified and began to split off and divided, they formed into unions, but it was all against one another, reproaches, upbraidings followed, they come to know, they come to know shame, and shame brought them to virtue, the concession of honor sprang up, and every union began waving its flag, they began torturing animals, and the animals withdrew from them into the forest and become hostile to them, they began to, they began to struggle for separation, for isolation, for individuality, for for mine and thine, they begin to talk in different languages. They begin to acquainted with sorrow and loved sorrow. They thirsted for suffering and said that truth could only be attained through suffering. Then science appeared. As they became wicked, they began talking of brotherhood and humanitarianism and understood those ideas. As they became criminal, they invented justice and drew up whole legal codes in order to absorb it and to ensure they being kept set up in guillotine. I hardly remember what they had lost. In fact, it was to believe that they had ever been unhappy and innocent. They even laughed at the possibility of this happiness in the past and called it a dream. They could not even imagine it in its finite form and shape, but strange and wonderful to relate. Though they lost all this faith in their past happiness and called it a legend, they so longed to be happy and innocent. Once, once more that they were succumbed to this desire like children, like an ideal of it, set up temples and worshipped their own ideas, their own desires. Though at the same time they fully believed that it was unattainable and could not be realized yet, that they bowed down to it and adored it with tears. Nevertheless, if it could have been, if it could have happened that they had returned to the innocent and happy condition which they had lost, and if somehow 
and somehow someone had shown it to them again and, and had asked them whether they wanted to go back to it. They would suddenly have refused. They answered me. We may be deceitful, wicked and unjust. We know it and weep over it. We grieve over it. We torment and punish ourselves more perhaps, perhaps than that merciful judge who will judge us and, and whose name we know not. But we have science and by the means of it we shall find the truth and we shall arrive at it consciously. Knowledge is higher than feelings. The consciousness of life is higher than life. And science will give us wisdom. Wisdom will reveal the laws and the, and the knowledge of the laws of happiness is higher than happiness. That is what they said. And after saying such things, everyone began to love himself better than anyone else. And indeed, they could not do otherwise. All became so jealous of the right of their own personality that they did very utmost to curtain and destroy them in others and made them and made that the chief thing in their life slavery followed even voluntary slavery the weak eagerly submitted to the strong on condition that the latter aided them to subdue the still weaker then there were saints who came to those come to these people weeping and talked to them of their pride and of their loss harmony and due to proportion of their loss of shame they were laughed at or pelted with stones. Holy blood was shed on the, on the threshold of the temples. Then there arose men who began to think of how to bring all people together again so that everybody, while still loving himself best of all, might not interfere with others and all might live together in some like a harmonious society. Regular war, regular war sprang up over this idea. All the combatants at the same time firmly believed that science, wisdom and the instinct of self-preservation would force men at last to unite into a harmonious and rational society and so meanwhile to hasten matters the wise endeavor to exterminate as rapidly as possible. All who were not wise and did not understand the idea that the latter might not hinder its triumph but the instinct of self-preservation grew rapidly weaker, arose men, haughty and sensual, who demanded all or nothing. In order to obtain everything, they resorted to crime, and if they did not succeed to suicide, those arose, though there arose religions with a cult of non-existence and self-destruction for the sake of the everlasting peace of annihilation. At last, these people grew weary of their meaningless toil and sign of suffering came into their faces and then they proclaimed that the suffering was a beauty for in suffering alone was their meaning they glorified suffering in their songs I moved, I moved about among them wringing my hands and weeping over them but I loved them perhaps more than in old days when there was no suffering in their faces and when, they innocent, and when they were innocent and so lovely, I loved the earth they had polluted even more than when it had been paradise. If only because sorrow had come to it. Alas, I always loved sorrow and tribulation, but only for myself, for myself. But I wept over them, pitying them. I stretched, my, I stretched out my hands to them in display of blaming, blaming, cursing and despising myself. I told them that all this was my doing, mine alone, 
that it was I had brought them corruption, contamination, and falsity. I besought them to crucify me. I told them to how to make a cross. I could not kill myself. I had not the strength, but I wanted to suffer at their hands. I yearned for suffering. I longed that my blood should be drained to the last drop in these agonies. But they only laughed at me and began at last to look up me as crazy. They justified me. They declared that they had only got what they wanted themselves and that all that now was could not have been otherwise. At last they declared to me that I was becoming dangerous and that they should lock me in a madhouse if I did not hold my tongue. Then such grief took, took position of my soul that my heart was wrung and I felt as though I, I, I were dying and then, then I awoke, awoke. It was morning. That is, it was not yet daylight, but about six o'clock I woke up in the same armchair. My candle had burnt out. Everyone was asleep in the captain's room and there was stillness all around, rearing our flat. First of all, I leaped up in great amazement. Nothing like this had ever, ever happened to me before, not even in the most trivial detail. I had never, for instance, fallen asleep like this in my armchair while I was standing and coming to, to myself. I solemnly caught the sight of my revolver lying loaded ready, but instantly I thrust it away. Oh, now life, life, I lifted up my hands and called upon eternal truth, not with words but with tears, ecstasy, immeasurable ecstasy flooded my soul. Yes, life and spreading the goodness tides. Oh, I at the moment resolved to spread the tides and resolve it, of course, for my whole life. I I got to spread the tidings. I wanted to spread the tidings of what? Of the truth? For I have seen it. I have seen it with my own eyes. I have seen it all its glory. And since then I have been preaching. Moreover, I love all those who laugh at me more than any of the rest. Why is that why why that is so I do not know and cannot explain, but so be it. I am told that I am vague and confused. And if I am vague and confused, what shall I be later on? It is true indeed, I am vague and confused, and perhaps as time goes on, I shall be more of it. And of course, I shall make many blunders before I find out how to preach. That is, I, that is, find out what words to say, what things to do, for it is a very difficult task. I see all that is clear as daylight, but listen, who does not know mistake? And yet, you know, all are making for the same goal, all are striving in the same direction anyway. From the from the sage to the lowest robber only by different road. This is an old truth, but this is what it is new. I cannot go far wrong, but I have seen the truth. I have seen and knew and know that people can be beautiful and happy without losing the power of living on earth. I will not and cannot believe that evil is the normal condition of mankind, and it is just as this faith of mine that they laugh at but how can I help believing it I have seen the truth it is not as though I had invented it with my mind I have seen it all and the living image of it has filled my soul forever I have seen it in such full perfection that I cannot believe that it is impossible for, for people to have it and so how can I go wrong I shall make some sleeps, no doubts, and shall perhaps talk in second-hand language, but 
but not for long the living image of what i saw will always be with me and will always correct and correct and guide me oh i'm full of courage and freshness and i will go on and on if you were for a thousand years do you know for the first time i mean to conceal the fact that i was corrupted then but that was a mistake that was my first mistake but the truth whispered to me that i was lying and preserved me and corrected me but how established paradise i don't know because i do not know how to put into put it into words after my dreams i lost commands my words all these chief words anyway the most necessary ones but never mind i shall go and i shall keep talking i won't leave off but for anyway i have seen it with my own eyes though i cannot describe what i saw but the soft scoffers do not understand that it was my dream they say delirium hallucination oh as though that means so much and they are so proud a dream what is a dream and is not our life a dream i will say more suppose that this paradise will never come to pass uh, that i understand yet i shall go on preaching it and yet how simple it is in one day in one hour everything could be arranged at once this the chief thing is to love others like you like you love yourself that's the chief thing and that's everything nothing else is wanted you will find out at once how to arrange it all and yet it's it's an old truth which has been told and retold billion times but it has not formed part of our lives the consciousness of life is higher than life the knowledge of the, the knowledge of the law of happiness is higher than happiness that is what one must contend against and i and i shall if only everyone wants it it can be arranged at once and i track down that little girl and i shall go on and on and on and on thank you